So if this is your first time to, to come to our church, we're, we're excited that you're here and, and you might wonder, what's all this community group stuff? What is, what is this all about? Well, we are about ready to enter in to a series where for the next eight weeks, we are going to read the entire New Testament of the Bible. And if you did not get one of these books, if when you go to a group, they should have a copy there. If they don't, you can still follow the reading plan by just reading your own personal copy of the scripture, your own Bible. Uh, all that will be available to you. We'll put in the week's readings in the bulletin. And so you can still follow along whether you have this book or not. This is the Bible. It's just written a little bit differently as far as there's no numbers in it, but it's scripture word for word. And I guarantee if you've got a Bible and you started reading it together, you'd see it's just the same. So we want to encourage you to get involved and connect with some other people in the body of Christ. So this week, this kind of the, yes, sir. The reading will actually start tomorrow. Now, I mean, you can obviously start reading at any time you want. If you read the whole thing today, then way to go. That would be awesome. You just cover the whole, the whole thing. Yes. So when you get together in a group, they're, they're going to ask you some basic questions. And so no matter what it is that you've read, you'll be able to participate. So just, just start reading. The, the official reading plan starts tomorrow morning. And it's going to take you, this week, you'll go through the whole book of Luke, the whole gospel of Luke. Yes, sir. Yes, inside the bulletin is a link where you can download all kinds of resources where it'll, uh, it'll read it to you. It'll give you videos each every, every day. They'll email you a short video to introduce the day's reading. It's very interactive. Just take advantage of all the resources that are made available to you. So let's pray and let's jump into God's word today. So Father, we, we thank you that you called your people early, early on to, to live out this, this word of God that has been written down and, and uh kept sacred for all these years so that we would have it available to us today to read it. I just immediately thank God there are some people in the world we live in today who, who call themselves followers of Jesus and they don't have access to all of the tools and all the resources that we have. God, I pray that we would, we would just take advantage of what you've placed in front of us today, that we wouldn't miss what it is that you're trying to say to us this day. God, I pray that your word would transform our minds it would cause us to to love you in a deeper measure than we maybe ever had before God I pray that it would cause us to love each other in a greater measure as we spend time with each other so Lord would you speak through your word today I am just as in my human flesh I'm not worthy to be here obviously apart from what Jesus has done in me. And so I ask that you would speak through uh, me as your servant. And I pray that your, your people would hear what it is that you'd want them to hear today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, oh, I just got really, really excited this week thinking about God's people reading his word. And thinking about what is he, what's he going to say to us as we make ourselves available to him through his word. 
And whether you get into a group or not, I, I, I just really, I'm just imploring you to dig in and let God speak. Find some time each and every day if you can. And here's the thing, you can read five days and you can take a few days off. And if you get behind, don't freak out. Just pick it up again the next day and just read. Don't try to understand it all. You don't have to have all the answers. I still am, am learning and I will continue to learn until the day I die. And God's still revealing himself through his word. There's still things that I discover as I go through his word. But just make yourself available to him. So today we're going we're gonna to just unpack, in the time that we have together, we're going to unpack what the book of Luke is all about. And obviously we can't cover all the stories, we don't have enough time for that, but we're just going to unpack it just as much as we can in the time we have together. So the book of Luke, so if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke is one of the four Gospels, one of the, the recollections the, of the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus' story when he walked here on earth, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, and the resurrection. And Luke was written in conjunction with the book of Acts. So when you see the language, it says sometimes Luke-Acts, because it is, it, is, it is one writing. It is meant to be together. That's the reason why in the books of the Bible, it is Luke, then Acts. So it was written by, who do you think it was written by? Luke, all right? But this doesn't always mean that the title is, written, is the author. Sometimes it's, it's the title is the person that's being written to, but Luke was the, the, the a writer of this gospel. He's a Gentile physician, so he's not even a, a Jewish person by descent. He is a Gentile who's come to faith in Jesus at some point. He's a historian. He's a companion of Paul, who was the author of most of the New Testament. And it was written about 70 years after Jesus, Jesus' um, life and ministry here on earth. It was written to a guy named Theophilus, who was probably a Roman, um, somewhere up in the Roman uh, guard, or he, maybe he was a person of prominence, but he was writing it to Theophilus to recount to him the story, the, 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 all the things that happened with Jesus' life here on earth. And he wanted to make sure that it was an accurate account. And so he probably did a lot of research. Maybe Theophilus helped him uh, get some of the information and he re writes this letter to him. In this book, you'll notice that the primary theme is Jesus is the perfect son of man who brings salvation both to the Jews and to the Gentiles, which that's good news for you and me. Unless you're born of Jewish descent, that's good news for you and I because the, the, that, that same good news came to us as Gentiles. Here's some practical advice as you read through the book. Watch how Jesus moves geographically towards Jerusalem. Like it's all about this, this destiny that he has to go to the cross, to die and to rise again. And then all the ministry that happens between the time he's born until that day. So watch how he moves to Jerusalem. If you're not familiar with the, the phrase son of man, it's, it's, it's basically this. To be called the Son of Man, Jesus was not only the Messiah, but he was also truly a human being. And he walked in the flesh. He, he's experienced the same things you and I have experienced. The same uh, 
frustration with just life and dealing with the heat and the cold and the just people and everything else. Jesus, it says in Scripture that he was tempted in all ways, like you and me, but it was without sin. So Jesus is not only holy and set apart in the Messiah, he's also human, understanding the, some, some of the same things that we've walked through here on earth. Notice the emphasis on the gospel as good news for the poor. The good news for the poor. And it doesn't just mean poor people who don't have any money, but people maybe poor of health. Maybe they've been cast out of society. Jesus' emphasis is on good news to the poor. And look for Jesus teaching on the need for followers to honor Christ with all their possessions. Everything that they have. He says, I want you to honor me with those things. And then, if you want to, make notes every time you see him speak about prayer or talks about the Holy Spirit. It's pretty uh, prominent in this book. So let's look at three main sections that we're going to uh, dig into today in the book of Acts, or the book of Luke. Three main sections. First, the first section is is how he ministers in Galilee. So look in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Starting verse 14. If you are using the Bible or the books of the Bible, if you have that with you, it's on page number 11. And so this is when Jesus has, he had been baptized, he had gone into the desert for 40 days, he had fasted, he had prayed, he was tempted by the devil himself, and after being Coming through that time, it says Jesus then is prepared to go into ministry and he steps into the synagogue in Galilee. And listen to what it says, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus announces his ministry platform in that synagogue that day. And then from there, he goes out and he starts to walk this talk. And as you read through, you'll start seeing Jesus doing those things he said he was going to do. As he starts to set people free, as people who are blind start to see, people who are lame start to walk, people who are possessed by demons are set free. Jesus, the most influential person that has ever walked the face of the earth. And here's the thing, his ministry didn't start until he was 30 years old. And it only lasted about three years. But he was unlike any teacher or rabbi that had ever existed. But Jesus 
told them right there in that setting, even though the prophet Isaiah said it years ago, Jesus says, I'm here, and this is why I'm here, and this is what I'm going to do. These are the things that I promise are going to happen in my life and in my ministry. And then he went out from there, and he chose others to follow him. He taught them, and he showed them how to live and how to love. He demonstrated his power over disease, over the weather, over thousands of demons that tormented one man. And if you'll read the story, he ruined the price of pork in one community. <laughs> he sent all those demons into these pigs. It's a fascinating story. So he does all these things. And then I, I want you to look at Luke chapter 9. So just move over to Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Luke 9, 51. So Jesus is going along. And remember what I said in the beginning is that he is moving towards Jerusalem. He has a date with destiny over this three-year period of time. And look where it says in Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 51. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He, there was a turn. He decided it was time to go. And now he's going towards the cross. He's, he knows it's going to happen. He knows that's, that's the reason why he came. And Jesus is on his journey back to Jerusalem. He's on this mission. But he's not done teaching. Like, it wasn't like, okay, Jesus said, all right, I've done enough. Now I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm just going to hang out there for a couple more years or whatever and wait till it's my time to die. No, he has so much left to do. He doesn't stop teaching. He continues to prepare his disciples for his departure. He's sending out workers to spread the good news. That same good news that sets people free, he empowered other people to do it. And you know what? He's still doing that to this day. And you and me. In this section, you'll read some of the greatest stories in the gospel. Some of the most familiar ones if you know God's word at all. On this journey to Jerusalem, you're going to meet the Good Samaritan. And you're going to be inspired and encouraged to show mercy to others. Even the people sitting right next to you. Maybe especially the people sitting right next to you. Can you imagine showing mercy to your brother? It's not easy, is it? You might elbow him right now and say, dude, wake up. This is good stuff. <laughs> you're going to be inspired and encouraged to do so. Then I want you to take some time to sit at Jesus' feet with Mary and let your worries melt away as you choose the only thing that is really needed, and that is to be in the presence of Jesus. Man, there's something about just being in his presence. Discover what Jesus has to say about prayer. Learn to be bold in your prayers as you ask, seek, and knock. What do you need from him today? What do you need from him today, right now? Is it bread? Maybe it's, maybe it's just your daily bread. It's like, I just need, I need God to provide. I mean, we're, we don't have anything left in the cupboards. Maybe it literally is something to eat. Now, you can't imagine that happening, right, in our, in our community. In our, I mean, we, Platte County is one of the most, most uh, financially well-off counties in the state of Missouri. Did you know that? But do you know that there are still people this day right here in our community that are hungry? 
So maybe they are crying out for their daily bread. But literally, that, 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 that thought of daily bread means this. God, give me what I need for this day. Because tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own, right? I mean, we don't know about tomorrow. We know it's coming. Whether the Falcons win or lose or whatever, it doesn't matter. Tomorrow's coming. So what do you need this day? What do you need from him right now? Is it forgiveness? Now, let's just all be real. We all need forgiveness for something. Maybe God's speaking to you about that right now. Maybe it's the courage, because it takes courage to forgive others who have hurt you. You want to see freedom in your life? Let go of it, whatever it is. I'm serious. Just let it go. Sometimes we don't want to let it go because we want the other person to experience justice. We want them to get what they deserve. God will take care of all that. It's yours to let it go. And the freedom that you receive, and that's a common theme you'll hear me speak of because it's a common problem in our world today. We need to learn to let it go. Are you dealing with some overwhelming temptation in your life? Man, we're human. We all, we all struggle with some, something in our life. I know. Well, Jesus says, come. Ask, seek, and knock. As you're going through this story, ask the Lord, what can I learn from the parables that Jesus uses? He shares these incredible stories. You're going to revisit a few familiar ones, I'm sure. We just talked on the prodigal son not too long ago, the parable of this, the story of this man with two sons. You're going you're gonna to come up to some familiar stories. Ask the Lord, what, what can I learn from these? Say hello to our wee little friend Zacchaeus, the awful tax collector. Wouldn't it be awesome to ask Zacchaeus? He's this man who climbed a tree to see Jesus. He was so desperate to see him. Wouldn't it be awesome to ask him what it felt like that day when Jesus called him out of the tree and said, I want to go to your house? And wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus in his flesh showed up today and picked you? <laughs> Shannon, I'm coming to your house today. I went to Shannon's house one night. She made this incredible orange chicken stuff. Jesus would be super impressed by that. <laughs> Jesus would be like, man, this, they didn't have this back in my day, all right? It was fish and bread. That's all we had. They didn't have these flavors. I'm curious, would you want Jesus to come to your house? Would you want to get home real quick, Joy, and clean up first before he got there? My wife freaks out when just one of you are coming over to our house. I can't imagine telling her, hey, uh, Jesus is going to drop by later. There'd be some heavy cleaning going on, right? <laughs> We'd be getting rid of all the excess stuff we have so that Jesus would just see that we're just living simple lives. We just have a couple things in the refrigerator. There's a few things I probably need to get out of the refrigerator. <laughs> We saw what it did to Zacchaeus when Jesus came to his house. You'll see it in the story. Zacchaeus went from being greedy to giving to the needy. 
Because that's what Jesus does in you. He changes your priorities. He changes your purpose. Don't underestimate, for one, what God wants to do and can do in your life. And don't underestimate how powerful your story is. Think about how powerful Zacchaeus' story was from that moment on. Let me tell you about the day that I met Jesus. When was the last time you were so desperate to see Jesus in your life that you were willing to climb a tree, get up early, come to church, I mean, you guys, you did it today. Good job, all right? You're here. And I'm so blessed that you're here. But when was the last time we were that desperate? Unfortunately, what happens so many times, and I see this happen in my own life, is that when I'm, I'm desperate when I, after failure, after I failed somehow, I get really desperate for the Lord. I, I, you know, I go through this in my mind, like, okay, this time, God, this time I'm going to be really serious about following you and just pouring and just, and then I'll be really good at it for a short period of time and then it starts to fade away. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Yeah. And then I experience a little bit of success. Then I start feeling pretty good about myself, you know, like, you know, I, I'm pretty good. Yeah, that was an awesome sermon. Man, people love me. And then pride comes right before the fall. <laughs> and then I, get, then I fail, and I get desperate again. Are you, uh, curious question, just as I was thinking about this, are you afraid to fully allow Jesus to have his way in your life because you're afraid how it's going to change your life? Are you afraid at all about that? I mean, you're just... Man, he's going to start messing with my bank account. He's going to start messing with my schedule, my, my, my entertainment, thing, you know, that I got laid out. I'm just, are you worried about that at all? <laughs> worried about giving up some control? <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Don't forget, and this, this is in this passage of Scripture around the time he was talking to Zacchaeus. He says, don't forget that the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And that includes you and me, my friend. And finally, finally, Jesus enters Jerusalem. Look at Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. Now, the, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing I'm thinking about is that there's a lot of stuff we haven't covered, but if you read, you're going to get it, and you're going to experience it, and you're going to discover it for yourself, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Because it's good that we're here today eating together today. Right now, we're having a meal together, but you're going you're to need to feed yourself tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. If you wait till next Sunday to eat again, you're going to be really hungry. Really hungry. And don't wait. So Jesus, remember, he's, he's, he's on this mission to Jerusalem. He's, he's going there for a purpose. 
And when he gets there, it says in verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 37, it says, When he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles, all the things that they had seen Jesus do up until this moment. And they said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Doesn't it sound like, like the same thing we talk about at Christmas time when Jesus was born, when the angel said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. It's like it's just this common theme about who Jesus is. And it's just really cool because Jesus demonstrates that he is a king of peace. When he rides into town, instead of on a stallion with a sword in his hand and fire breathing out of his mouth, he said he rides into town on a donkey because he is a conquering king, but he's a king that brings peace. Remember? What Jesus' manifesto was or his, his like plan for, for ministry, it was to set people free. And that freedom brings peace in our lives. You know, there was a prophecy about Jesus actually riding in to town on this, this donkey. It was in Zechariah uh, chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It was prophesied years before that this was going to happen. And I don't know, I always just try to think about, like, did Jesus know, like, he must have known, like, man, I'm going to go, they're going to get me a donkey, and I'm going to get on this donkey, and someone's, it's going to click in some people's mind, and they're going to think, wait a minute, I remember reading this. I remember about, I remember this prophet that talked about the king coming on a donkey. Is this it? So Jesus rides into town. And look what it says he does. After the people are praising him, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And I, and I know you maybe have heard this before, but I want to share it with you again. But whose job is it to praise the Lord? Is it the stones? Is it creation? Things? Or is it us? Is it the ultimate creation? The ones created in his image. It's you and me. It's our job. It's our responsibility to praise him. Not the rocks. He says if they don't do it, the rocks will. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. He weeps over Jerusalem, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Do not miss the time of God's coming to you. It could be the day. Or you may be too stubborn to let it be today. You may say, maybe another day. Not today. But don't miss his coming to you. So, last few thoughts. So the punishment that Jesus is going to receive later on that week will be the very thing that gives us peace 
that transcends all understanding. He will take our place on the cross. And while he is there, he's still not done doing ministry. It's, just, it's incredible as I think about this. And while he is hanging on the cross, one of the other criminals hanging next to him cries out to him, and he offers him mercy right there. Interestingly enough, that guy that was hanging on the cross didn't have to do anything to impress Jesus. He didn't have to get down and show Jesus that he was worthy of Jesus' forgiveness and love. He just asked for it. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. He asked the Father to forgive the ones who killed him, for they had no idea what they were doing. Now listen, back to the forgiveness piece. If Jesus is able and willing to forgive those who are killing him, doesn't it make the thing that you're holding on to just seem a little bit smaller now? Just a little bit smaller? Even if you have to say, Father, forgive them. They, they did not know what they were doing. And even if they acted like they did, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> you know, Say, Father, forgive them. But it was for this reason that he came. That Jesus came to satisfy the wrath of the Father and to provide salvation for all who put their hope and trust in him. And then... Through his resurrection, he conquered the only thing that Satan can hold over God's prized possession. That's you and me. The only thing that he can really hold against you is death. Death. Because that's the final say, right? And that's the only thing that we would ever really need to fear. But then we see Christ conquering death by his resurrection. And as we put our faith and trust in him, we don't have to fear that anymore. So the Satan, Satan loses all of his power. He cannot scare you anymore. He can't hold on to you any longer because you're like, I don't even fear death. Right? Don't even have to fear it. Now we may fear those around us and what, what are man going to do to us, but don't feel, fear what man can do to you. And you don't have to fear it because Jesus has already conquered it. And then at the end of Luke, before he left the earth, he gathered his followers together. He blessed them and commissioned them to go out into the world to be his witnesses, to testify to all that Jesus had taught them and to testify to the reality of of the resurrection. And that is still going on today. It's still going on right now in your hearing. And it is still to go on as you walk out of this place, as you testify to what it is that you've seen and you know about him, about the reality of the, his death and the power of his resurrection, as you testify to that fact, to other people, the message continues forward because you know what next week what we're going to get to is we're going to get to acts and the message came to jerusalem and now it's getting ready to go out from jerusalem and so every single time that you gather in a place like this listen it comes to you and then it's got to go out from here in order for there to be any hope for this community and for the world that we live in it's got to go out from here because the, not all the world's in here right now 
Look around you. They're not all here. So how are they going to hear? How are they going to know? And then Jesus promises them that the Holy Spirit will come. He'll empower you to do this because you don't have to do it on your own. Matter of fact, I, I encourage you, don't try to do it on your own <laughs> because you'll fail if you do. Do it with his help. Let him empower you to do it. And the times that I get like too far in front of God, <laughs> like I, I can somehow do it by myself and I don't really need him. God, God, you just hang right back there. I mean, I got this. <laughs> Bad things happen. <laughs> Instead of just trusting and allowing him to work in me and through me. All right, so what does it mean for you and me? I mean, I know what it means for me, but what does it mean for you as you leave here today? I don't know. It could, could look a lot different depending on where it is that you live, where it is that you go. I know some of you walk in here today with um, the reality of a recent diagnosis, and that's, that's heavy. You know, maybe that's you. I don't know. Maybe you got some, maybe it's the daily bread thing. Like, man, I'm hungry today. And that's the fascinating thing about my job. Like, I just, all I can do is, I don't like, I don't want to use the word assume. All I can do is just try to, to consider and think about, like, what is it, my, what are these people, what are they going through when they come here? I mean, I have, this is, these are, these are four of my five kids. And it's enough for me to try to keep track of them. <laughs> and like, what's going on in their mind and their heart? What's, what are, what's hurting them today? What, what, are they, what are they wrestling with today? And then I think about all of you. <laughs> but this Jesus that's in the story, as he walked with his followers through the power of the Holy Spirit, he walks with you. And you're not alone. The one thing I always want you to consider, though, as we finish up our time, and Van, why don't you guys go ahead and come on up. The thing I want you to, to always consider when you walk into this place is, is Jesus my Savior? Is he my Lord and is he my Savior? Has he transformed me? And if you have not yet to allow that to happen, just like he said about Jerusalem, don't miss his coming today. Don't miss it today. So maybe, um, maybe you'll need to come and pray. Maybe there's some things you need to pray about. And so we'll have some individuals come. Roy, would you come up and be available? I know, I'd, would you come up? We'll have a, a woman up here too. Anybody else that feels led to pray? If you feel called to pray for other people, then, uh, then you come to receive them. And if you need prayer, then you come and, and, and pray. Listen, this is normal. Okay? It's just okay to do this. Don't freak out about this. Don't be afraid. Matter of fact, if you get up and come and pray, it might actually free somebody else up to say, you know what? I need that too. And so, we want to make that available to you. If you walked in here today with burden on your heart, or maybe you heard something today, say, so, man, I need to process that, I need to deal with it. Um, I will be up here praying. Roy will be here. Rhonda. Rhonda and I talked about this the other day. She has a heart to pray. And she said, maybe we need more people to, to come up and pray. So here we are.
right? So it's called an invitation for a reason. (laughs) So whatever it is that um, God's got on your heart today,